We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, one thing I've been dwelling on lately that I'm super appreciative of is if you're a Laker fan of a specific age or older, you are old enough to remember Kareem in his 20th season, Kobe in his 20th season, and of course, LeBron now in his 20th season. And we all know how you know Kobe's last year went, and Kobe lost a lot of his superpowers overnight with the Achilles injury, and he was playing some of the best basketball of his career before before that happened too. Um, but by the time he was in year twenty, right, he was not the player that he was as a younger player. Kareem is a, a bit of a different story, and one thing that Darius always astutely points out in the all time great conversations is that Kareem was a four year college player. And even back then, to give you an idea of how different the rules were, he wasn't even allowed to play on the college team as a freshman. They had a separate freshman team and they played before the season, right? Uh, And the UCLA varsity team had just won back-to-back championships. They had lost like two games. Like they were like 58 and two over the previous two seasons. And the freshman team led by Lou Alcindor, Cream, right? Uh, Beat them by like 15. It was like, 75 to 60 or something like that. Just a a beat down, right? Cream had like 30 and 20. And so to Darius, your point all the time is like, hey, if if Cream enters the league at 18, probably has a few thousand more points, right? Has a few more accolades on his resume, right? Sure. Which is already incredible, the accolades that he does have. And then LeBron, right? We just we just went through LeBron's 20th season. And Kareem by season 20 was an older player, right? He was, he was 42 when he retired. Um, and, but even the title season, the year before he wasn't the player that he once was in the last championship that he won, he was like a 14, 15 point per game guy. James had clearly become the second option and cream was certainly helpful, but he was one of the guys similar to Tim Duncan. I would say, uh, Tim Duncan's last uh, championship LeBron now entering year 21 D is not only in the league, right? <laughs> But he is one of the best players 
in the league still. And not only that, he is a, a top two guy on a team that's looking to contend for a title. And the times throughout sports history where that's been the case are super rare. Like Tom Brady and probably Gordie Howe, I think, are the two in, in American sports. Um, and so I just wanted to take a step back for a pod and appreciate what we're seeing. Kobe's push the game forward tweet to him always comes to mind of like, this is unprecedented. We haven't seen this before. And I'm just super grateful to having seen so much greatness come around these parts over the, the decades, like to see it again and to see where LeBron's taking us. I'm super excited for year 21. Yeah, LeBron continues to defy. He made third team all NBA last season. He probably would have been a second or potentially even a first team player if he would have continued without injury throughout the season. He made third team basically on the strength of what he did before he got hurt, because when he came back, he was playing a toned down version with a new team of like basketball. But go back and watch LeBron highlights from December like in the lead up to his birthday and then the immediate aftermath of his birthday and tell me that dude wouldn't have been potentially like an MVP candidate, right? Like he was being talked about as like, oh, is LeBron going to finish in the top five of MVP voting? Like that was the type of year that that he he was having. And you're right, Pete, like even a guy like Tom Brady or Brett Favre or some of these quarterbacks, right? Quarterback is the type of position, like the NFL is a brutal sport. And no one's ever going to talk me down. It's one of the reasons why I sort of faded from being an NFL fan is that every season gets wrecked by injuries. Every season is a war of attrition. It's like the quote unquote healthiest team at the end is normally the one that's going to win with a requisite amount of talent. But quarterback is one of those positions where you can sort of drop back there or play out of shotgun. And if you've got a quick release or you're making fast reads, mm-hmm. you may not take the same hits that you took when you were a 22 or 24 year old guy. Well, and you also kind of determine that for yourself, right? And you've been around yes. enough to be able to, oh, there's a blitz coming my way. I'm going to throw this out of bounds so I don't get freaking destroyed. And there are a lot more rules now true to protect quarterbacks against that. 100% quarterback, I almost put it to the side as some of these older guys who have played Mm -hmm. for a long time. That's not to diminish what they're doing, but the physicality of that is much different, Mike, than an NBA player who has to famously play both sides of the ball. And it's a flow sport. So the game just keeps going and going and going. Like there is no comparison from a physicality standpoint of what LeBron is accomplishing at this age and at this stage of his career to anyone ever. And Mike, this is a point that you famously make all of the time. So LeBron does get the benefit that Kareem didn't in terms of coming into the league earlier, but Kareem played four college seasons where they weren't even playing those 35, 40 game college seasons back then the way that they do now, where it's just like, oh, you make a tournament run and suddenly you've played 42 games because athletic programs now are like, it's a cash grab for everyone. It's like Kareem's playing these 28 or 30 game college seasons. LeBron came into the league at 18 playing 82 game NBA seasons during a time where there was no load management where look at LeBron's minute load during his first three or four seasons. It's like, hey, LeBron, 38 minutes a game, 39 minutes a game. It's like, that's a different era too, Mike. And so he is by far like, he's played the most playoff games, minutes, all of this stuff. It's like, it's an unreal accomplishment what he's doing. And so take a step back and just acknowledge and sort of admire what he's done and where he continues to play at. 
Yeah, and I think you could also look at the whole Kareem versus LeBron and entering the league. The the wear and tear might be more on a player that goes straight to the NBA um, than it is on a player that went to college. So those just by the sheer amount of minutes in LeBron, his rookie year. So he's 18 years old. He played 79 games and he averaged 39.5 minutes a game. Then his second year, 80 games, 42.4 minutes per game. Third year, 79 games, 42.5 minutes per game. Like he, LeBron averaged over 40 minutes and almost, you know, damn near 82 games all the way, basically for his entire Cleveland, initial Cleveland stint. And then in Miami, the minutes start to go down a little bit, but it's still 38, 38, 38, like, you know, 37.7. Then he goes back to Cleveland, 36, 35, 37, 37. And the fewest games that he played in any of those seasons was that one was the 11, 12 year in Miami um, when he played 62. Every, everything else is kind of like in those high 70s. So in terms of just attrition on the body, that that is the thing I think that and still being able to perform, that is the unique element of LeBron in maybe any sport um, that I that I can think of for an athlete in world history um, in sport in current modern sports history there are some soccer players that have played um, you know getting close to that amount but not not near to the level like if you look up so Cristiano Ronaldo I guess is kind of a good cop because he also is just this incredible athlete uh, in his sport but by by his his getting his clock getting close to LeBron, not near the same player still um, as LeBron is. And why is that? You know, that there are clearly a couple of reasons why. But there's these two things. Like one is appreciating and celebrating it, and then the second one is what is that going to mean for him for this season? And that's the question that has been intriguing me over the summer. And as I think about what the rest of the roster is around him, but. Pete, I wanted to kick that one back to you. All of this, all of these things that we're thinking about with LeBron, how are we to anticipate like what this season is going to bring, um, given all that we just talked about? Yeah, he's not immune to all of those things that have diminished the athletic capacities of of other greats in in the NBA and in other sports. I think it's worth examining what are the things that a player loses as they get to this age, right? And to me, it's speed and verticality, most importantly, uh, are, are the things that go away first. And so I'm kind of at a place with LeBron where the more that we can build this team around his brain primarily, and then his strength secondarily, the better shape we'll be in. Um, I think he's the one ball handler, ball handler that we have D that has a level of physicality and athleticism still like he's not who he used to be, but he's way more athletic than D'Lo and Austin and Gabe Vincent and physically imposing. Right. And there are some teams where you really need that against in the golden state series. Remember Draymond on his podcast was marveling. Like this is a different Braun who he's played against tons of times in the playoffs. He's playing off of the ball. This is so weird. Like we're not used to guarding him in this capacity, but in the Denver series, much more on the ball in part because that was where the weakness was for them defensively. And so that to me, D is going to be a, a club that we probably have to go to sometimes. But I do think that the more that we can emphasize, the, the more that LeBron can be a big man, obviously I've been craving this since last season. Um, I think the better shape that we're going to be in. How often can he go to the club in his bag, right? About like getting downhill. We saw it famously in that Memphis series for a couple of key baskets in, I can't remember what game it was, but how he 
drove for the layup and threw it high off the glass over Triple J to force overtime. And then at the end of the OT, he had that drive left against Dylan Brooks, where he sort of powered through him for for the and one. Those were both sort of on ball plays where to that point in the Memphis series, it looked very much the way that that Warrior series went, where he was playing off of the ball. Famously, in that game one, they just gave the ball to Austin and like you go and make play. And everyone was just sort of like, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. This is game one of the playoffs. And the Lakers are going to Austin Reeves like this is LeBron time. And that was a total paradigm shift for the Lakers. I agree with you, Pete, that it was game. That was game four. And he also had 20 rebounds that night. Right. Yeah. yeah career yes, high. Who sets a career high in any stat in the freaking playoffs in year 20? This is LeBron. This is why when you talk about like the one name players, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're a one name player, then. It's just like you're the type of guy that does X in year whatever that is like defies whatever we thought was possible. So I'm with you, though. I'm, I'm with both of you, actually. The pondering of what he can be and what he should be and what he can do. Um, I'm I'm in the it's gravy mode for LeBron now. It's just like whatever he does, I'm just sort of like do whatever you can, however you want. Like the, tr the total trust is there. And at some point that trust will go away because like he's not able to anymore. But Mike coming off of the season that, that he just, just had, it's to me less about the ask and more about like what LeBron is going to show us is his plan for something because no one is going to know better than him about how to mark the path that he's going to walk this season. And th there's a part of me that just feels like we have to trust whatever he decides is the best way for him to go about it. And that's going to look different potentially than anything we've seen from him previously. I have a new favorite video game of all time. Um, and it's, it's oh. Hogwarts. It's the new Harry Potter game. And I've been playing it with the twins and it's incredible. It's just a and I wasn't I wasn't a huge like Harry Potter person. Um, I started to read them and watch them when the boys got a little bit older. But it's this incredible game. And, and they're the final boss uh, is difficult to beat. But there are there are certain things that you can do to steal yourself before you face that boss. Right. You can your you got your health's got to be all the way up. You can get um, certain spells that you make sure that you have mastered before you take them on. There are these um, these these like extra tools essentially that you can also fill up. Um, and each one has to be filled up. There are like eight of them, but so it, the point is it takes a while to build up your overall reservoir before you go in to that final battle. And that's a little bit the way that I think the Lakers as a collective have to think about LeBron in this season, just before you get to that playoff run, make sure that every single possible thing that can be full for LeBron is full. In other words, like cover for him more defensively take the ball out of his hands more if you can if he allows it like uh get him rest at certain times don't because we're we don't have the answer as to what's going to happen it's never been done before it's unprecedented to be this good for this long but that's the thing that i would try to be doing with, as this kind of this conversation with lebron and darvin ham and the teammates like let's just and i know it's going to be easier said than done because he's still lebron james but uh, just try and do try and make sure that everything is as full as can be if you're going to really expect him to once again 
reach the levels that he reached last postseason um, in another calendar year from the last time that he did it. The best thing we can do to avoid that is not to start two and 10, <laughs> you know, like that was the most Absolutely, taxing thing yeah. that happened last season to both LeBron and AD is how we started the season and no need to relitigate that necessarily. But our season, I felt was saved in two different spots, once by AD and then once by LeBron. When we w- when we fell to two and 10, LeBron was out. LeBron had an early season injury and that was a stretch where AD just went nuts. He was like a 35 and 15 guy every night. And then there was that other stretch where AD was out and LeBron had that amazing stretch where he was, you know, putting up 35 a night. But there is, as you're watching this, and this is something that you would allude to even while it was happening, Mike, was like LeBron having to having to go into this gear in December or January just to scratch and claw to stay alive. Like that again, the the resilience that last year's team had. I'll, I'll always love last year's team because they fought the way that they did when not a lot of guys, I think, would have. I think a lot of teams would have folded under similar circumstances. But it had that long-term type of issue where by the time that we get to a Denver, right, it's like we're beaten and torn, right? Whereas they've handled their business, kicked ass, you know, put it on a low simmer for a month, got everybody healthy, and they're the shiny and ready to go. I would love if we could be in that condition against them. I don't know if we'd beat them, but I know we'd have a much better shot than we did kind of with the story that that we had. And so that's what it is to me, guys, is, is like we got to win some games. And I think we're in a much better position to do that. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about the how. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, D, in Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals in the second half, the commentary from Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson really is ringing through my head. And I would always, you know, bitch and moan to you guys about how they wouldn't be paying attention to the game a lot of the times during their call, talking about something else while the basketball was happening. But when they do lock in, they're two former NBA head coaches, right? And so their perspective on the game is super interesting when they're actually locked in on it. And they were both in that mode in the second half against Denver. And they had both kind of assumed the position in terms of like the perspective they were speaking from of like, if I were the Laker coach and I were trying to keep my season alive, I would be doing X, Y, Z. And one of the things that they were talking about was LeBron in the post. And it was 
a LeBron had just had a 31 point first half. He'd been dominant. And part of it was he was just like kicking their ass over and over and over again. And they kept bringing that up like LeBron, go down into the post, go down into the box. Right. And it was I, I saw some uh, some LeBron fans kind of like, what do you want him to do? He's got, you know, 38 points by this point and you're acting like he hasn't done enough. And I don't think that's the perspective they were coming from. It was just like, yo, this is the way where you're still a superstar, because I would argue that the series against Aaron Gordon versus Denver was the first time in LeBron's career where he was at a slight athletic disadvantage from the guy across from him. And I think that shifting where he works from, uh, like LeBron embracing his inner Carl Malone this season, I think is, uh, I think there's a lot of fruit potentially in that. And so I just wanted to kick that to you and get your thoughts on that. Yeah, LeBron's evolution and his ability to sort of determine where he should attack from is something that I think we're all anxious for watching from on television and don't always necessarily get a great sense of like where he is on the ground and what he sees from his perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where being a fan, the disconnect always exists, Mike. It's like fans always do this in every sport. Like they think that they're smarter than the head coach. They think that they want to, they want to be the offensive coordinator. They want to be the defensive coordinator. Oh, blitz the corner here. Yeah. Look, why aren't you doing this? this guy's right. Yeah. And the, now we're doing this with LeBron James, who we just spent a yes. whole segment with uh, talking about like, ain't nobody done this before for sure. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing here, Pete. It's like the guy who has the ball also too, is the guy who is trying to navigate the entire environment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do his legs feel? What does he think is the best in this like like situation? How many times did we see LeBron last season settle and pound the ball? And we're just like, why? Why is he pounding the ball here at the end of this? Like, why is he walking the ball up? Why is he pounding the ball in terms of just dribbling the air out out of it and then taking a step back jumper? And it's just like, well, part of that is because he's 38. And he's playing more minutes than what we'd expect. And he has to handle the ball a bunch. And there's not a lot of decision makers that we should actually trust with the ball here. And so if he's like an 18 foot step back jumper is the best look we're going to get this possession. And I'm just going to use 20 seconds in order to get it. Well, then that's what we got to live with, with LeBron. And this is where I take it back to you, Mike, is the building of the team and this bridges to Pete's point. The building of the team is that they have given LeBron basically three skill guards now and three ball handling guards, guards who can play both on and off the ball and can play in lineups together a lot of times um, if you have the requisite defensive backup. And this has the ability to put LeBron in situations in much different situations than he's been able to get to throughout the course of his entire career. And I will be interested in seeing how LeBron navigates that. And you made a point earlier, Mike, saying if LeBron allows it. And that's always been LeBron. It's just like he didn't want to go to the post very early on in his time with Miami. And then basically he allowed it at what, like at some point. And then that was that. And I'll be interested to see, I think he's perfectly fine being an off ball worker. To me, it's more like five minutes left, close game, regular season. What's, what's he going to decide 
in that point because those high stress, high leverage moments, those are the moments too where it's like you only have so many of those over the course of the season. And in terms of building up that reservoir that you talked about, Mike, part of that is leaving some of those in the war chest for you for later on and letting Austin Reeves or D'Lo or even Gabe Vincent monopolize a possession in order to get you somewhere. And not to mention that Anthony Davis guy is pretty good too. Yeah, I think that there there probably is a right answer. If we all sat down and Darvin Ham's in the room, Bron's in the room, AD's in the room, Austin's in the room, you know, maybe a couple other folks. Let's get Robin there. And hey, here here's the here's the absolute the training staff, the absolutely optimized usage, you know, for not just LeBron, but for how many possessions and how how often that you're in the post and how all of these things, like all of these, the great minds of basketball, especially with LeBron being at the top, trying to figure this all out. And of course, that's never how it actually works. And during the season, it's this is the challenging part, I think, too, for not just for LeBron, but for the coaching staff, where you're not going to know more than LeBron when you get down in the huddle. You're not going to know more than LeBron, uh, really anybody that's in the modern game of basketball, like when you're sitting there. And, and so there's this constant deferral um, which, by the way, is appropriate <laughs> to LeBron. And yet that's when sometimes you're watching. And, and I remember the, there was a string of games where I'm in the arena and, um, you know, you guys are most often like on the text thread. And it's like, is he going to is he going to just run down the clock, as you just said, and take a, a jumper that is just clearly not the best shot at the time? But then what do you do about that? You know, what do you, call time out and say, LeBron, no. Right. Well, you can't do that. So we're kind of uh, you're you're kind of at the whim of some point. But what? And I think that LeBron is also aware of that. But there's there's part of it. I'm not. I don't think it's that it's just pride. But where he doesn't want to relinquish that to right. Austin, or and part of it's pride, but part of it's also just trusting of the all of the times that the success yes. has been there. And we saw that with Kobe, right, all the way to the end. His whole last, he didn't play his his 20th season um, like he totally understood, you know, where his game was. Kobe was Kobe. Kobe Kobe had a quote, (laughs) maybe you guys could could be more specific, but it was basically like, I'm not going out the way that like Vince Carter went out, for example, as like, you know, spot up guy off the ball, you know, two way guy off the bench, maybe. He's like, no, I'm going out as, as Kobe. It's who he was. And, you know. Same thing with basically every great player. Yes. And that's that's why. But it's like LeBron, though, has at times like shown the ability to Trent to morph his game more into what could be optimized. And part of that's what you guys are talking about by being in the post. But I'm just I wonder if that if even if he just changes the percentage of the times that he wants to or can do that um, more or if he's able to get to his 30 um more easily by by being in the post and therefore or just that the Lakers aren't in as many situations um, because they've built up more of a lead or because Austin has done more earlier games or because he's taking a couple more games off, you know, and therefore he can keep playing the way that he wants to play because he didn't play in the back to back uh, that he sort of had to last year because of where the Lakers were. So I yep. I just want to make sure that we're we're remembering and I know you I don't need to remind you guys of this that. It's it's ultimately going to be like basically LeBron's decision. <laughs> to, and rightfully so, how this it is should be. Play out. And rightfully so, yeah. 
That's right. And I think that there's also a, a degree of trust in teammates that goes along with that, too, in terms of like, when does he decide to do what? Because like LeBron knows all this and and more, right? Like if we were in that hypothetical room that you were talking about, Mike, what we should do is shut up and listen, right? <laughs> like there are people in the room that, that know way more about it than, than we do and we can learn. And so um, LeBron is rightfully the person that's deciding when to do what. And I think there's a certain degree of like like Austin killing it down the stretch against Memphis in the, in a, the playoff game you were referencing, D. Like that earns you, a, am sure, a degree of regular season trust where LeBron is fine playing an off-ball role and because he knows that the job is still going to get done. I do think that though there is that, that – there is that pride and I wouldn't necessarily frame it – so much as being as pride, but what you said, Mike, about like it's worked so many times. A lot of times, the great ones, when they lose some of their superpowers gradually as they get older, they're not the last to know, but they're defiant against the idea, which they should be, right? Like, and but I think that the it depends on the teammates that you have to what degree you're willing to let that go. Because a guy like LeBron wants the whole thing to work, you know, and the degree that he can rely on somebody else to do that job. I'm super interested in this season because he's got those type of guys. And even last year, like one of the things that's uh, kind of that you wouldn't expect, the LeBron and Westbrook combination was really good when AD was off of the yeah. floor and LeBron was pretty much playing a straight big man role. And that was when, when he'd rolled to the basket, he'd look just like Carl Malone, right? And Russ would have the ball and is great at making those passes from all the angles to the role man. And they were just picking teams apart in those types of groups. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the level of trust in, in the ball handler and knowing that that's what they do. And so this season provides an opportunity that the previous ones really haven't to the same degree. We just have to wait and see. Like I said, I defer to LeBron even in those times where I'm frustrated with the choice. You have to trust the guy in the room to a certain extent, of course, right? It's just like when it's, it's, it's like when you're part of a negotiation team and now suddenly the final stage, that final boss, as Mike says, right. It's just like, all right, well, it's a one-on-one in the room and you have to trust the guy in the room to go get you the deal that you've all talked about. These are the things that are important to us. And now it's that person's time to close. Like, LeBron has earned that trust in more. And it's like there's going to be times where he lets us down. Mm-hmm. That's sports. Kobe let us down a bunch of times. Magic Johnson let let us down too. It's just like it happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. Like even in their best moments at the peak levels, like there will be players who let – like let you down. I couldn't imagine rooting for James Harden. How many times has he let you down? Right. It's like, there's a bunch of guys where that's their norm. LeBron has not been that guy. He's the guy that delivers over and over and over again. It's probably one of the reasons why at the end of last season, Mike, he was just like, am I going to keep doing this? Because it was one of the first times that he was just like, I've actually done everything I can to not lose. And he lost in the end anyway, and that's a new situation for, for him, too. So I'm actually wondering how the end of last season influences what he does this season as well. Yeah, that last point that you brought up makes me think of LeBron and Kobe. But So Kobe, before the injury, when there was a game that the Lakers either had to win or backs against the wall or mm-hmm. like that. I don't remember a time that he didn't make sure that that happened. And same thing. Mike, were you, were you there for the Toronto game? 
just speaking of games yeah. like that, you remember the Toronto game? Were you in the yeah, building the, for like, that? The like three game winners that he hit in the course wow. of, um, yeah, in the course of like three minutes. Yeah. Uh, there, there's just so many different moments like that, but I'm, I'm thinking mostly about the playoff performances. Like, okay. Um, there were some times that that Laker team in the 2009 and then the 2010 championships where they like, they didn't close a team out, but they never blew an actual, like a closeout chance when the other team like was really coming um, for them. And the only series that was a little different was Boston because Boston was like almost was about that good. Uh, then with LeBron, if you take out the Warriors team with Kevin Durant as, as you know, in just that Warriors team in general, when like LeBron going into a playoff game and okay, it's, I'm not losing this game when he had that type of mindset, he never lost, never lost those games. And I think that this Denver series for some of the reasons that we had talked about the attrition mixed with the amount of the, um, that had gone into getting to that point mixed with Denver, not being injured mixed with Jokic raising it. That was, that was, I think the frustration level after that game four, where he was like, well, I just emptied my tank. And usually when I empty my tank, it results in a win. Uh, And, and so to relay it back to the conversation that we're having, I just think that Anthony Davis in LeBron's mind, I, I hope I should say, not think there's, there's still a level of elevation that, and kind of that I think that can be attained but it requires LeBron to take even a slight step back. Uh, that is very difficult to do, uh, I think. For and that's that to me is Austin is one thing. Austin Austin being on the ball, but like Anthony Davis is right there, and he can do more um, than at times he's being asked to. And that's the that's the tricky balance for me of even with the full trust, Darius, of like how do. What what can LeBron do as the overseer of this and how much can he give to AD and, and by, by still keeping the balance that they have? There was a point last season, I think it was during the offseason, and we were talking a little bit about Anthony Davis and LeBron and this idea of Kareem and also of Magic Johnson, right? And AD is not Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was this singular, like, one of the best handful of players I've ever seen play basketball. Like literally one of the handful of best players I've ever seen. Finals MVP in his rookie season. Like, oh, I'm Magic Johnson. Like, I'll just play center. I'll, I'll treat an NBA finals game like I played in high school, which is like one of the most ridiculous quotes you'll ever hear. It's like Magic saying like, oh yeah, I told my dad, I'm just going to go back to play like how I played in high school. So it's like, word? Against <laughs> Dr. J and Daryl Dawkins, you're just going to, Go play a high school game. Fantastic. Like it, it's it's honestly absurd to think that Magic this is how this man. guy thought, but mm-hmm. he was just a, a, an unreal player. Anthony Davis is a tier or tiers below that sort sort of guy. But I think it was the 87 season, Pete. It might have even been before that. But Pat Riley had a conversation with Magic Johnson. He had a conversation with Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And it's just like, we're gonna do things different now. Like it's the young bucks team now. And like, you'll always have your place in this, but that transition happened. And that's the point that Mike's making here about that sort of baton passing. Right. And LeBron is still so good that handoff to AD and AD's personality isn't one to be like, Oh, well like AD's a burden sharer. 
He is like, I'll do as much as I need to do in order to make sure that we're good. But he may have to do more than that while LeBron. And, and it's an interesting dynamic that that is like, I'm not sure how that plays out, but it's a piece of this puzzle that that needs to be flushed out more. It's a big piece. And we'll get into this. We've only got about five minutes left, but we'll get into this in, on a broader sense. But a team that's built around Anthony Davis to me is a defensive identity team, right? Like that's where it starts, where you can be truly great is on the defensive end, right? And I think that 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 this team and this roster has some potential on that front. We've been having these discussions about like Rui and Vando starting, right? And and we had a great uh, talk about that the other day. Part of what I think we could do is have units that have very distinctive identities. And the one where LeBron is off of the floor and AD is on it, I think we've got the personnel to be like a really oppressive unit, like right as you're putting your backup point guard in, right? Like there's there's one argument to be made like, hey, we need Vando to guard like the very best dudes. And it absolutely, right? There's also an argument to be made. We could also kick your ass with like two minutes left in the first quarter through 10 minutes left in the second because we've got Vando on Desmond Bain, who was running backup point for Memphis a lot last year, right? Like that's a mismatch in Vando's favor, right? Anyhow, um, and so a question to you guys with respect to this being a LeBron, LeBron pod, Mike, to you first, what is an appropriate ask of LeBron on the defensive end? This is the whole key, I think, of because LeBron isn't going to just rest on offense. Uh, that's just not like throughout the regular season. It's just not going to happen. Uh, he's he's going to have a certain element of usage and all that. But on defense, what what position can you put him in that you can not necessarily have him be, quote unquote, resting, but at least just not asking him to do as much. And and so. I I think that's the key um, to, in the regular season, is, and that's the whole point that I was making with Vanderbilt and the whole point just kind of in general. Uh, and so I'll I'll kick it to Darius to be a little bit more specific about what that means defensively. Um, I'm just that's the side of the court to me that you can you can kind of let him not have the primary assignment. Uh, and you're going to give up some defensive rebounds because of that also. And it's just it's not. Like that's that's part of what I'm talking about with the Anthony Davis. It's not a handoff in terms of you do this, you do that. It's more of a it's more of a handoff is in terms of like the team net rating isn't going to be as high in the regular season with LeBron because he's not going to be able to just going into it mentally give you that same level of defense that I think you're going to want and need as the playoffs approach. I don't think you can ask LeBron to be the guy who has a primary defensive assignment from the start start of the game as being like super important. But I don't think bailing on the idea that LeBron James needs to be an impact defender is the way that this Lakers team wins a championship. Like, Completely. So agree. the appropriate ask is like, look, bro, like we need you on this end of the floor. We need you to do your job regardless of what the ask is in terms of individual de defensive assignment. That means he needs to be an excellent team defender. It means he needs to make his rotations. It means transition. Like, there's yeah. In transition, look, transition waxes and wanes for every NBA player. Like it just does. Unless your entire job is defense, mm -hmm. then there's going to be times where you just don't run as hard. I, I, get, get to, to me, just to chime in on that specific point, it's it's more like we had a bad team culture 
in transition defense yes. all of last season in a way where I've never seen a team win a title that was as bad on transition defense as we were last season. For as good as we were at, at several aspects of the game, even in that series against, and like we're losing these games by like six points, four points. And it's like, I remember the two stupid buckets that we gave up because nobody <laughs> yeah. stopped the ball and somebody went coast to coast without, you know what I mean? And so it's more like if a LeBron puts his foot down, Mike, then I think that that can be a, a culture setter, you know, in, in that respect. And that can win us some games. But to me, though, that is what that is asking too much in year okay, 21. And that's fair. And that's fair. It's just asking too much to even a baseline of, well, yeah, but LeBron, you have to set a certain tone. And <sighs> I, I totally it's, get it mentally and in the film. But it's just I because I already saw the slippage of that last year and in the year before. And so is it going to get better this year? So I totally agree, Mike, that physically it's that's a, a a thing that's too big of an ask. But there's a certain amount of like. Like even like yelling at people, like it's got to be something that in the film room type of thing where it every time someone messes up, they're like, oh, that's my bad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this is a, a yeah. goal that you've set as a team and nobody can enforce that the way a LeBron James can. It's accountability. Yes. And LeBron's never shunned accountability for himself. That's right. Either. Right. And And so this is where I'm like, does he need to sprint back every single time? No, he doesn't. And I don't expect him to, honestly, but he also can't be the guy who is making mistakes and then trying to hold other people accountable. He can't be the guy who's playing lazy defense and then pointing to someone else and being like, where are you on this rotation if he's not the guy who's making that that rotation mm -hmm. himself? Like, is he going to be the guy who guards Kawhi and Paul George and Giannis from the beginning of, of every single game? No, he can't be the primary defender on every team's top wing anymore that's not his job and it hasn't been for two or three seasons but on a given possession if lebron's the best matchup for Kawhi, i expect him to be on Kawhi and be like mm -hmm. go get the stop yeah we need this on this possession and if he can't be a part of that defensive culture then the lakers have no chance to win a championship i'm just putting that out there right now yeah and, and as so as the as the season goes on right that to me the ideal way with it that level of it would increase but to me, for him to give to have more to give on defense, then he's got to give up some usage on offense. And that's what I'm saying is that I haven't seen yeah. him do that. Like he was not giving up any usage on offense last year to, to have a little bit more on defense to kind of help the team overall yeah. more. It was like, this is still my pie and I'm deciding how much of it it's. And I don't I just don't see like the extra percentages of energy that he was have for that unless he unless he does less on offense. I, I think a big part of the problem, too, is the personnel that surrounded him defensively. I think he has way more specific needs. I think like size and athleticism next to LeBron is more important than it's ever been. We've got to wrap it up here. Uh, this is a really fun talk. Next pod's going to be about AD, but we're going to kind of transition the end of this talk into, into that one because I think that, as we said earlier, LeBron and AD go together. Um, all right, this is fun. Everybody have a, a nice Labor Day weekend. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Final.
Bucket. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.